You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, I, got, I just got back from a wedding, uh, my first COVID wedding, uh, and so it was a wedding of about 20 people and uh, up in Portland, and it was um, actually the first wedding that I've done of, of some of our online attenders uh, since COVID, and, they, and it happened to be my brother-in-law as well. And so uh, a little shout out to Indy and Christine, who are probably watching this morning, though they should be on a honeymoon somewhere tropical, but you know. It is what it is, so uh, great to have them joining us over these last several months as part of our community. Well, we're wrapping up our series in the book of Joel, and I'm super, I've been so uh, into this series. It's a hard book to preach from. It's, it's one of these prof- prophetic books, and so there's, there's kind of prophecy that has already been fulfilled, some prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled, some prophecy that's being fulfilled right now. Um, and so we've tried to unpack this book as best as we could to apply it to our present um, situation, our present uh, time, our present era. And what Joel has been trying to communicate to us throughout this series is a couple of things. One, the importance of repentance, that, that there's a constant kind of a, a lifestyle of turning back to God. Um, and, I, and I do that every day. I make a decision every day to turn to God, to follow him, to walk in his way. And so repentance is a kind of a part of my rhythm, a part of our life, and it, and it should be a part of our life. And, and also, He's working to restore. God is working to restore his ultimate purpose and plan that he had from the very beginning, and we're part of that. God is working to make all things new. He's making all things right. He is just, he is a fair God, and so he gave us his spirit to like live in us, both to work and to will for his good pleasure, his purposes on this planet, and he's working. Right now, even right now, he's working on behalf of those who are unable to work for themselves. Um, He's a God of justice. He is working on behalf of the marginalized. He is working right now to bring all things right. And Joel's prophecy concludes with this vision, with this epic narrative of how he is making, God is making all things new, not just in our lives, but over all of creation, over all those uh, in our world. And so if you have a Bible, uh, why don't you go ahead and turn to Joel chapter three. It's gonna be on the screen as well. And, uh, and follow along with me as we read the last section of this um, prophetic book, Joel chapter three, verse 17 is where we'll start. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and water the valley of Shittim. And this is, by the way, I mean, this is a prophetic uh, vision of a future, and it's very poetic. (laughs) Hopefully you figured that out. There's not actually milk going to be running down hills or something like that. Not even that big of a a fan of milk, so it wouldn't mean much to me. But anyway, there's this, it's this prophetic vision of restoration. In verse 19, Egypt shall become a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness, meaning those that have worked against God's purposes, right, against uh, justice, they've worked for injustice, for the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land, but Judah shall be inhabited forever and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood, blood I have not avenged for the Lord dwells in Zion. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of intensity in this prophetic word, a little bit of kind of apocalyptic 
apocalyptic language as well, which is, uh, which is true in most of all of the prophetic works. And so Joel is describing this era of restoration. I love what the Bible Project video says about this. They say it this way, that Joel sees the hope for the renewal of all creation. He echoes the prophecies of Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. God's final day of justice will be followed by a restoration of the entire world a new Eden, where God's presence in Jerusalem flows out like a river and brings about cosmic renewal. So Joel's poem ends with God's forgiveness and mercy opening up a whole new creation. That is what God is working toward. He's not going to stop at judgment. He's not gonna stop at just justice. He is going to make all things right and new and fresh. There's a theological shift that we see uh, in this renewal of all creation, that God cares so much about our lives and about this earth. The actual creation, everything that God made, he's working to restore. God is concerned about the land that he created. So he's going to renew it, just like he's going to renew us. Um, recently, I was on my motorcycle uh, just two weeks ago. I was riding to Idaho for um, some meetings I had. And I was in between, if you know the area, I was in between um, Halfway, Oregon, and um, Joseph. And so there's this beautiful just mountain pass. There's no reason for you to take a car on it. Um, only motorcycles pretty much go on this because it it's the long way around. And, um, and I was on this, and it was just this amazing connection to the earth. As I'm riding through the hills and through along rivers and my spirit, for me, my spirit is closest to God in those places, those wild places, those places where, where, where there's even wilderness. I think there's, a, there's something important that we see in the narrative of scripture of people connected to space, to land. Um, and, and that's for me. I just, and I see that and I see the renewal that God wants to make of all things, including the land. You know, I've always found it interesting um, how Christianity has come to various cultures of the world. And uh, um, being from a European origin, I've investigated how the Celts experienced Christianity. And they called it thin places where they sensed the supernatural world. And it was more often connected to land, to, to, to space, to the sense of like, I'm part of this world as well. Um, and a church without walls, a sense of like, no, this, I, I can experience God anywhere, um, that he is everywhere. And there's this sense of spirituality that's connected to the land. We see it in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, you, you quickly realize how important place is. I mean, this, the, the, the Zion, the hill that where Jerusalem is at is where David was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. There's this, there's this connection to place throughout and this sense of like there, there's the presence of God is, is connected to space. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory of the Lord came down and filled the building. The Jews believe that God is going to cohabitate with his people on Mount Zion one day. Christians believe that God is already cohabitating with his people through the work of Jesus in his spirit. And he's going to reestablish his rule and his reign on this earth, making all things new. Peter takes this prophetic vision of a restored uh, future and he summarizes it in his second sermon. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned his first sermon where he talked about how the Holy Spirit was going to fall on all flesh, right? And he, and he quotes from Joel. And Peter, in his second sermon, he talks about what God foretold by the mouth of prophets. And he's kind of reiterating some of what Joel's talked about. And he tells us to repent. 
and turn back to the t- and turn back to God so that times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. And I love what Acts chapter three says. It says that, that this return of Jesus that, that Peter prophesies will restore all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. God will restore all things. Now, the biblical authors are not unaware of the tension that we're experiencing in this moment of yes, God is working to restore and, and so he's doing that now, but also not yet. There's this sense of like, there's some of it's happening now and some of it's not happening quite yet. And we still live in this broken world. We still live in this world that, that, is, that is slowly being restored and will one day be completely restored. And the Apostle Paul, he says it like this in, in the book of Romans. He wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome. And this is how he described it in verse 18 of chapter eight. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. So he sees this. He sees that God is working on renewing, restoring things. But yes, there is this suffering at this present time. And the, but listen to this. Are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits, was sub, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope, say hope, say hope, those of you that are at home, say hope, right? That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul sees this, 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 this vision of a future where even the creation that's longing right now for restoration experiences renewal. And that's what, that's what Paul's saying. And so even in our suffering, we can't lose sight of the prophetic fulfillment of this restoration that Jesus began on the cross and in his resurrection. In the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, has a lot to say about the restoration of all creation. In uh, chapter 21, the, next to the last chapter in this amazing book, Revelation 21, notice what John doesn't say. This is what he says in verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is where? With man with humanity and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And listen to this. Here's, and look, look, listen to how John says this and I'm gonna point out what he doesn't say. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new I am making all things new notice that John doesn't say I'm making all new things he's not going to just start over 
He's not gonna like make, make okay, well, I, you know, this didn't work out for us, so I'm gonna make new things. I'm gonna make new earth and a new people and new, new humans because I didn't like the first ones. The ver- first version just disappointed me. He's not going to make all new things. He's going to make all things new. That means you and me and the ground that we walk on. It's restoring, not replacing. Great way to think of it is like the restoration of an old car or some furniture, maybe a piece of furniture. Restoration, if you've ever done the work of restoration, it is hard work. It's way easier, <laughs> way easier, especially in our, in our American culture, just to throw the old away, man, and just get a new one, you know? Um, and someone works to re- when someone works to restore something, it tells us its value to them, that it holds inherent value. And so they're not gonna just toss it away. They're gonna work to restore it. They're gonna work to make it the way that, that the, the, the creator envisioned it in the first place. And God is working that out. Joel is showing us that this entire world has been devastated. He's not, he doesn't beat around the bush with this. He, he talks about how our sin and our failure and our brokenness has brought devastation to our world and to our land. And the earth and all that's in it is groaning, as Paul talks about, for this day of restoration. And Joel, like all the prophets, they reveal how, how we've broken things and how we've kind of marred things and how God is coming along to restore things, to show mercy. They give us this hope that one day God is going to defeat evil once and for all and all things will be made new. Now, what does this mean for us? So most of the time, I think we think that this restorative process is, this work is happening behind the scenes and we have nothing to do with it. You know, that an almighty and sovereign God is kind of pulling the strings on just making things happen the way he wants them to and, 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 and we don't have any part to play. And I think we, we think of ourselves merely as observers in the process, right? And, and rather than participants in the process of restoration. Do you guys remember the movie WALL-E? <laughs> it's this kid's movie. Um, I don't know if it's Disney or who does it, but it depicts this, this planet, our planet, I think, completely burned out by all the nat- of, of all its natural resources and, and, and all of the natural relationships. There's literally no life. It's inhabited by robots. <laughs> and so Wally um, is one of them. And nothing lives there until Wally finds this little plant beginning to sprout out of the dust of what's left of the earth. And so the rest of the movie is about a love story between robots, whatever, not too into that. But anyways, <laughs> this is about this, but this is picture of this apocalyptic world that's been devastated by humanity and, and how there's life emerging. And there's this picture of this kind of life, I think that we, we cannot forget in this moment that life is always emerging. That there's all, that God is always working to restore. He hasn't given up on us. He hasn't even just left us to our own demise or our own devices. Now let me just speak to the elephant in the room or the hanging chad as it might end up being in the room. Most everyone believes that if their candidate loses the election this week, it will be the end of the world. I want to suggest that our world is already in chaos and burnt out. It's already broken. 
And not one person, no earthly ruler, is going to able, be able to restore justice, peace, joy, abundance, life on their own. There's this shaking that's happening in our earth, in our world. And let us not forget that it's, it's like we found this little seed that's been planted in the dry and dusty soil of our land that's emerging, and it's the life of Jesus. He is the one who is working to restore, and he has the power to do it. He has the power to make all things new. He rose himself from the dead. So I know he has the power to raise us all from our own demise. See, God is working to make all things new, and we cannot, especially this week, forget that. And we must partner with him. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And, uh, and he writes this. I'm going to read a long section of scripture here. And, and he writes these, these words to encourage us to be participants in the work of God in our moment, in our time, no matter what's going on. Um, imagine, I mean, living in the first century and you have Roman, is the Roman rule and they, they have no... They, they don't even know who Jesus is. They don't know anything about Christianity. It's just beginning to emerge and, and they, they're, they're following several gods and doing their own thing and, and they mistreat women and they mistreat the poor and, and it's, just, it's, just, it's not a good place to be a Christ follower. And I love what Paul writes to this group of Christians in Corinth about how to live in that environment. I think it speaks something to our moment verse 14 of chapter five, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us because we have concluded this. We have decided, we have put our trust in this. We have, we have decided this, that the one has, that one has died for all, therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So from now on, because of that, because that Jesus died for all, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. And that's, by the way, that word is not like just all, it's all done. It is like it is passing away. <laughs> day by day by day, the old is passing away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation, which means we don't count people's trespasses against them. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal, this appeal that we just read about through us, so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is making all things new. Here's the problem. Fundamental problem with all of this is most of us who have embraced the work of Jesus, who have been reconciled to him, who are in the process of being made new. We don't have the patience or the grace to do the work of restoration. Over and over in the Old Testament, we see God's patience, his enduring quality of mercy. To those that he poured his mercy upon, they would respond for a moment and then, they, then it was fleeting. Think about King David who ruled for 40 years, one of the, the premier king of Israel. People would look back and say that he, he was the best king that Israel ever had. Even him, at one generation later, Israel is split in two. See, only Jesus can do the work of restoration. And most of us simply don't have it yet. Peter's asking how many times, he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Like a couple? And Jesus is like, no, over and over and over and over and over and over again, there is no limit to my forgiveness, so there should be no limit to yours. You know, after this election is over, there are going to be people who have said many, many things and have added to the hurt and brokenness in our world. Christ followers, wounds that will need to be mended, forgiveness that will need to be offered. It would be easy to regard those around us according to the flesh and just be mad at those who are mad at us to, to repay evil with evil, to judge them for who they voted for or who they didn't vote for, to use whatever power we think we have to rule over those who lost. But I want you to meditate on 2 Corinthians 5 this week. I want you to soak in it. I want you to ask yourself, what does it mean this week to be entrusted by God with his work of reconciliation? The character of God is always restorative. He's slow to anger, quick to love. He's making all things new with or without us. And to be a follower of Jesus means that we also are restorers. We work to make all things new. We rebuild bridges and tear down walls. We work toward reconciliation because we work on behalf of the king who paid the price, the ultimate price for reconciliation. So Jesus, we need you. Too often we have put our hope in a system of government that isn't able to call us back to you. Help our eyes to stay fixated on you this week, Jesus. For those who are feeling anxious, who are worried, who are full of fear, I pray right now for your peace to flood their souls. I pray that whoever wins the election will have a soft heart towards you. Father, we know that you are in control. We trust you with our future. Help us as citizens of your kingdom to represent your life and your love in these days. Help us to be slow to anger and quick to show mercy. 
Help us to walk with humility before you and others. And Lord, as agents of restoration, of your restoration on this earth, give us eyes to see those places and those people who need a touch of your grace and truth. Give us your words of life to speak. We love you and we trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on him. And I love you and can't wait to see you next week. And God bless.